0: If there's a couple of words to describe this episode and this program that we've had, what would it be and why?
1: Um... I don't know, man. <laughs> what, do, what do people normally say in this part of it?
0: Well, the last guess I had, Frisky Nistham said, self and drowning, Guy sink so... It it can be one word or multiple words. It does have to be clever or fancy. This is Behind the Exploratory Lenses, episode number 10. Can you believe it? We made it 10 episodes. That means I've been having episodes for each out of the last 10 weeks. And finally, compared to the last couple episodes, we have a guest. Yes, indeed, we have a guest in this episode. You don't want to miss this one. But before we talk about the guest that I have in mind... You're going to enjoy hearing some of the stories, especially when we talked about logos, his time in Indianapolis. Let's talk about the NASCAR All-Star Race from a week ago. Chase Elliott won it, becoming only the second father-son duo to do so. And like 1986 at Atlanta Motor Speedway, when his father, Bill, won, Chase won the other All-Star Race that was not held at Charlotte Motor Speedway because this year it was at Bristol. And I wrote a column about it sharing my frustrations and also how I feel that it was too gimmicky. And when you hear my conversation with Brandon, and we do discuss about it, so I'll save the time for it. Honestly, the race wasn't great. It was far from great, which was rather disappointing. And some people said, eh, it should be a little bit more longer so we can have that long run build, the track builds up. Do I want to go to Bristol next year? Bias reasons, I like to so we can see more of a building more consistency. Other competitors want a rotation. One year will be Bristol. The next year will be Daytona. Another one would be Chicagoland for all we know. I like the concept but we'll see what happens in 2021. One thing we know that is gonna happen is the Indianapolis 500 instead of 50% it has now been reduced to 25% for next month's 104th running because the way everything is going there's no other choice but fortunately we're still gonna have a race going on and by the time you're hearing this tomorrow Will be the last day they'll ever accept tickets for this year's 500. And face masks will be required. Fortunately, they're making it required. Because I feel like in some other venues where they're recommending it. It's going to backfire. And we'll see in the coming weeks how the Texas numbers look like. Because there was a red flag period. Which really aggravated me. Especially when the crowds were getting up close to take photos of the cars. I get it. That's the thing. But what happened to the social distancing? And I imagine not all of them were wearing masks. I'm not sure how that's going to be established for the 500. But I'm glad they're going to make it required. So it makes things a little bit easier. As far as for the media spectrum of things. I don't know what that implies. Hopefully it's not for the worst. Because of the crowd reduction. But yeah. All Star Race happened. It was rather reducer. Too much gimmicks. You had Bubba Wallace upset Michael McDowell for an incident in the All-Star Open. I don't know if he would have won it, but come to find out, it was Clint Boyer who got the fan boat the most overall. And that was emphasized overall because some people thought, no, nah, it's going to be a Bubba runaway if he doesn't make it through the first three stages of the Open. If he doesn't win one of those. But no, Boyer won the overall vote. And we and that's another thing well, Brandon and I discussed, that could he could be a decent dark horse for most popular driver. We're not going to write Chase Elliott as the most popular driver of 2020 yet. You have Bubba and Boyer. Now that we just discussed this, let's talk about Brandon Crossland. He is a writer for Speed Sport. He was an intern at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway a year ago. He is around the Nashville area. And one of the many topics we do discuss is the return of Nashville on the NASCAR level in 2021. Not the fairgrounds, mind you. It is the super speedways. I like to call it the concrete Nashville. We met through a collaboration project on YouTube with Griffin Spear, who was known as Griff Dog for the North Wilkesboro NR 2003 race where Griff made some phenomenal paint schemes, some fantasy concepts like Haley Deegan at Front Row. I mean, not Front Row, Furniture Row Racing. Jeez, I'm getting used to the FR being Front Row then Furniture Row when Furniture Row was the more superior team. In fact, the Furniture Row won the championship with Martin Trek Jr. 2017. Ceased the year after, but anyways, we collaborated with me, Brandon. We did some commentary. We provided some of the clips to Griff. It was beautiful, well done collaboration. And to this very day, is the last time I ever done a major collaboration with someone that was a big project where I got to do what I love most, and that is the commentary side of things. I really enjoyed it. If you haven't seen that video, just type in Summer Showdown 2018, North Wilkesboro. You'll find it. I'm in it. Brandon is in it. So that's how we met. And over time, he has grown to be quite a sim racing journalist as well. He's done plenty of stuff. Like I mentioned with Speed Sport, he hopes to do Nashville and Bristol for those NASCAR races as far as being a media credentialed human being. He's a good person. He does stuff for the Nashville Sounds, and that is a baseball team, by the way. And we will talk about baseball because, of course, when we have baseball coming up, with the Houston Astros and the Seattle Mariners being the game of interest. Because we get first dibs of telling them, those Astros, what you did was pathetic and low class and dumb. And that's how I see it. And hopefully they do something about it that maybe we'll get some brawls in there. I don't encourage it. But in this case, I wouldn't mind it. And I would not be surprised if we see something like that between the Mariners and the Astros. just because. Speaking of such thing... Let's talk about the system that they have for baseball now. You can record cheers, boos, and heckling in any game you want to watch. So, naturally, we're going to see a lot of people doing boos to Houston and heckling Houston and all of that. And somebody on Twitter said they're going to probably watch every Astros game to do so. But on the photo that I found explaining the concept, I noticed that the sample that they use is the Oakland Athletics and the Miami Marlins. And then when I looked at the chart, the majority are Marlins fans that submitted stuff. It's like, something's wrong with the picture. Miami Marlins have fans. Florida Baseball got fans to begin with. Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays are probably one of the worst attended records out there In on average or overall. It seems like a empty ballpark every game. It looks like there's like nobody really there. So they had me thinking, wait, Marlins got fans, more fans than the A's? No, that doesn't sound realistic, even if it is a home game. That doesn't make sense. If it was the other way around, it makes sense because the athletics actually have crowds. Marlins and the Rays typically don't. To watch any highlight reel, it looks pretty empty for the most part. So I had me thinking, that's unrealistic. So yeah, got a lot of baseball. Hopefully the Mariners don't stink it up because 60 games should not be an excuse this time around. Keep our fingers crossed in that. Without further ado, let's go jump to the interview with Brandon Crossland. All
1: right, so my name is Brandon Crossland. I'm currently a staff writer for Speed Sport Magazine and also online. I'm also uh, alumni of Austin Peace State University in 2019 with a bachelor's degree in communications with a broadcast media concentration and a sports broadcasting minor. Uh, and I've used that to do a lot of things in the motorsports realm of things, both physical and uh, on the sim racing side of stuff and uh, I'm still I still feel like I'm in the infancy infancy of my professional career, but I'm taking as taking things as the Lord provides and uh, just Not not trusting in myself to make things happen
0: It is an absolute pleasure to have my next guest on behind the Explorer Journalist lessons It is other than one of the more up-and-coming finest racing journalists, especially on the Sims side, Brandon Crossland, how
1: are you feeling? I'm doing just fine, Lewis. I want to thank you first and foremost for uh, inviting me to be on your podcast. This is probably the first, this probably is the first time that I've ever been invited to be on someone else's show, so uh, that's, I'm humbled by that and um, just doing doing better than I deserve today and uh, just glad to be on the show.
0: I'm doing a little bit better than I should be, honestly, considering when we recorded this, we're a day removed from the all-star race at Bristol. And I want to start off talking about that. How do you felt about that all-star race, especially that I kind of, do you feel like it kind of heavily relied on the gimmick side? Albeit the all-star race is where you usually want to test things out before it gets implemented in NASCAR or not.
1: Yeah. um, I understand where NASCAR was going with that idea of, um, if there's a place we can actually have an experiment to do these new ideas and get receive uh, tangible fan feedback, then the All-Star race is the place to do that. And yeah, the, the, the lighting on the cars is probably the biggest issue as far as the gimmick spectrum of things, and definitely did throw fans off. I think I think fan, well also, I think fans were setting their expectations a little too high as far as what we saw on Broadway. Uh, in nashville for the awards and the burnouts on broadway uh i was there i was standing next to caleb hoffman you may know him from the youtube side of things we're both from the nashville area so we that was the first time i actually got to meet him in person and also danny b talks and uh the the underglow we saw there in nashville i think a lot of people were like okay that's exactly what we'll be able to put at the all-star race they're going to do underglow woohoo let's go and I think that's probably what NASCAR wanted to do as well, but I think when it came down to practicality and what they could actually fit on the car, and uh, the I think once the logistics went through everything, I think what we saw last night was what they could uh, reasonably put on the car. And even though it was underwhelming, I think they tried their best.
0: No, for sure, they tried their best. And then when I listened to Kevin Harvick's post-race conference, he pretty much Apparently, the drivers were not too crazy about it, other than, based on who he talked with, I think only Keelan was the only one that actually liked the underglow. But yeah, right. what I saw from social media, that's kind of what I would imagine people were expecting. And then what we saw, it's nice to see, but I was having the mindset that maybe it would look cool up close From a photographer perspective, obviously I wasn't at Bristol because of course with the pandemic and other logistical issues. I was thinking we're going to see something similar or even the track facilities would probably shut the lights down to show the underglow in full effect or celebratory reasons. But I feel like if they put it all over the car like what Ganassi had, maybe it will stick out more. Otherwise, all it was was just... A manufacturer distinction because Toyota had red Ford had blue Chevrolet had orange and those who made it from the open had nothing I'm not sure
1: where the orange comes from to be Chevrolet's color of choice I kind of see Toyota because they do the red uh, square around their logo sometimes and you know of course the, the the blue is the Ford blue oval if anything I thought Chevrolet would be yellow but maybe that didn't look as good
0: I think it was trial and error it's nice to have, but what purpose did the server seek? It's probably just catering for the kids. If if we're gonna base it on Carbix's comments, right. but yeah. there's also the door. How do you feel about those numbers, honestly? Because some worked, others, it's just alignment issues that really bother me. And I'm saying this specifically to Stuart Haas Racing, especially notably Cole Custer's.
1: Yeah, I I, I saw I had I had the same sentiments as you. Uh, especially with Cole Custer's logos and number placement. It, it just clashed so hard and um, was not appealing to the eye. But yeah. uh, Tyler Reddick and uh, 37 of uh, Ryan Brees, yes. Uh, th- those were probably the best. Well, the ones actually worked well. And uh, Hendrick, I think, was also another one that, give or take, did a pretty good job.
0: Yeah, like Bowman and Johnson's worked just fine. Byron, eh. And Elliot, it worked okay, but as somebody said online, that it reminded him of a JJ Yaley's I Rock car. Because when you saw the Universe logo, you could probably put the last name on there and that kind of gives you an IROC presence. So, yeah,
1: that De- definitely took a lot of inspiration from the old I Rock uh, paints where the last name would be the main attraction as opposed to the number.
0: Yeah, and as far as Priest is concerned, it's definitely the best one out of the whole bunch. I said Truex works because how the layout works where it has the swoosh that you could put the Bass Pro Shops logo in there. So I felt like that worked. Amarola's, if you get rid of the Smithfield on the back end of the car, it will look right. even much cleaner and probably definitely. stands out more.
1: Yeah, I felt like they didn't. Tr- um, they kind of didn't know what to do with uh, Eric Amarola's because they had Smithfield twice. And it's like not making the most of what you're being given. You don't want to have Smith – I mean, I know you definitely want to smoke, focus on the Smith field, but uh, it was just – they were too close together. I feel like uh, if he had a different secondary sponsor, then that should have been put in the smaller uh, – Upper right hand corner,
0: like with Kyle Bush, it has that small Interstate Batteries logo. I felt like it probably could have been right where the Stanley Tools is because there's a spot for it that it'll look more cleaner. But what yeah, I was, definitely. yeah, what I was also thinking when they announced the number place was gonna be different. I thought it was gonna be like you have the option of the back end of the door or in the quarter panel. Because for Ryan Priest, it worked perfectly. If it was like other, if his pace keeps like slim Jim, you put the thirty seven on the quarter panel because. On this regular car, there's so much missing of that car. It looks like it's missing a decal or it just looks unsponsored. So for Priest who, and that whole JTG team, they made the most of it. Because any other race, it's a hit or miss of how it looks aesthetically. And when I see some of the footage of his car, she's, it looks so unsponsored. Yeah, it is, it is uh,
1: definitely a struggle with, uh, you know, this is not to get off topic, but you know, uh, having to deal with all the different sponsors you have to fit in the season due to the uh, lack of support to have at the bare minimum two or three that can get you through the entire season as your primary sponsors.
0: Yeah, and then there's Joey Logano and people said, we're not going to change that paint scheme, albeit that scheme has been there since Kurt Busch was driving it a decade ago. It's one yeah. of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type these days. Yeah.
1: And uh, Pinsky definitely wants to make that a thing, and he he definitely has had success with that. The uh, the red pinstripes going by and uh, you know, on the side, you know, he's recreated that in the Xfinity series as well with Austin Sindrick and anybody else who's taken that 22 car uh, in that series. Just trying to keep it as uniform as possible, and uh, I think. They've done that with Kyle Bush more or less as well with uh, Mars's sp- uh, support with him with M and M's and Pedigree.
0: It's fortunate for them that they were able to make things uniform, like because what people who are saying they we're not going to spice it up. People forget back then you see the same scheme for about three to five years, or some much longer depending who you are. It's like this is nothing new. It's a rare form now, and I admire Pensky for keeping it consistent. It's like why change it? To be honest, unless it's a different brand, then you gotta do something else with it. Like if it's like the pencil platinum, rather than just regular shell pencil, then of course the pencil platinum's gotta look different.
1: Yeah, I think younger fans may not understand the novelty that we, you and I, in our generation, maybe have uh, experienced was the novelty of a. Alternate paint scheme because we were just used to one paint scheme all the time, and it was a bi- it was really a big deal. Like at an event like the All Star Race or uh, a different race where somebody had a secondary scheme. I think that's why in those older video games, you know, Thunderplates were to a lot of the Thunderplates were to unlock these alternate paint schemes because they were so cool to us. And uh, now for a lot of mid tier teams, they they have a different scheme every race, and so it's just not a uh, rare novelty thing as it once was
0: yeah and now this day speaking of video games what i understood from nascar heat 5 is if you beat those challenges you get nothing there's nothing to unlock whereas in the past you were able to unlock the schemes most of them being race versions which they're nice to have but when they're filled with confetti i'm thinking why would somebody want to run a confetti filled car or truck on regular mode or like race mode when you could probably do without it I think it's either a 7.4, a NASCAR, or even maybe Lionel thing to just have the race version have confetti. It just looks weird. It's, it's one of those where it'll look neat to see on display, but to run it, you would rather have it confetti-less than just with confetti, to be honest. Oh, that, that was
1: news to me. I had no idea if they had confetti cars in NASCAR Heat. I have not played a NASCAR Heat title. I haven't been playing console NASCAR games since the EA days, basically. I mean, I had uh, NASCAR 2011, the game, and that's about it. That's about as far as I went.
0: Yeah, that's that's where I was a couple years, many years ago now, it seems, where I had NASCAR 11. And then I didn't get the next new NASCAR game until NASCAR 15 Victory Edition with Jeff Gordon on the cover. But that's only because Jeff Gordon was on the cover because the PS3 was broken that I later had to buy a new one. I didn't bought the new one until this year just so I could play NCAA Football 14 and other older games that I've had over the years. But when it comes to NASCAR Heat, they're, I feel like they're there, but they got a long ways to go. And when NASCAR Heat 5 one as soon as I realized it's going to be like NASCAR Heat 4, I said, you know, there's that F1 game called F1 2020 where you have my team. They actually build. Of course, they have a much bigger budget because it's Codemasters compared to 704 or Motorsport. That entity, whatever they're known as, Motorsport Games or whatever. is from. I was just going to call it Motorsport.com because that's how I associate Motorsport with the website. Where you have like Udder and Dave Mulsher, those guys riding IndyCar, NASCAR and what have you. But what was so special about it back then actually? That's what I wanna mention. What was this so why was it so special? Especially on consoles, because of course gaming is more bigger in, with the sim world when it comes to racing games these days.
1: Yes. And I think that's for good reason because uh the, the sim side of things right now is just basically the way to go. But you know, if you wanted all the paint the current paint schemes and things and you wanted to have your own personalized career mode and, a, you know, a fight to the top, if you will, and um, have your own team management and all, all the different customizable features and just in, in the EA days of NASCAR game, console games, you really felt the care that was put into each title. You know, it just wasn't another year, so to speak. It was uh, genuine care. And that, that's the thing that uh, has been transitioned over, from console to uh, the guys who were formerly Papyrus that, that make iRacing. It's just that same love and care and attention to detail that's been put in, onto the PC side. So I, I think NASCAR fans that are still clinging onto the console side of things, I, I, believe, I think they're being robbed of the experience they could be having.
0: Most definitely, and I feel the same way. Where I have to tr- hopefully save as much as I can to get a computer that is w- suitable for gaming, so I can finally try iRacing. Because I was when I had finally looked into it and probably getting it, my laptop isn't compatible for it. I need like a capture card. It's a laptop to start off. I'd rather go buy a PC that actually fits and is meant to be sustainable for gaming. So maybe someday I try iRacing. But I've noticed it for a while on the console side of things that no matter who has it, it's either going to get better or it's going to take forever. Like Stuff that we had 15 years ago are still not implemented to the current console, like Replace or a legit customizable paint booth. Yeah, in that sense,
1: you can kind of look at it as PCs are like the Android of the phone market and the consoles are like the iPhone where they they pretend these new... they claim that all these new... Even though it is kind of contradictory because I am an iPhone user, but that's besides the point. They claim all these new features on iPhones that Android users have been having for five years or more. Uh, it's like they're they're so far behind on the timeline of progression. Yeah. And, and their customers believe it.
0: Yeah. Well, the difference they have is like, what I've noticed is that Apple gets the newer updates on social media outlets before Android would get... Because I remember... A decade ago, I think iPhones had Instagram in around 2010-2011, while the Android users didn't get it till like 2012. So, or even late 2011, but we got it much later than you guys. So, I was thinking, well, what's this Instagram coming towards the Android? So, I know the struggle, but also I see the differences of customization, and right now... The customize even with the current Androids, some of the customizations are getting reduced. Like the stuff that you have are now being bombarded with ads. It's like when would you- when did they started to become this Mickey Mouse organization, or not really Mickey Mouse because I mean anybody could use the Mickey Mouse reference. Let's go with the Mister with the Mister Krabs type of mentality or a, where you uh, got to uh, put a monopoly, money. monopoly
1: yeah. on the system. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I don't want to get you too far off the subject. We're talking about phones now. But but 10, ten years ago, I was an Android user. So that, it wasn't until about 2016 that I switched over to iPhone.
0: Understood. I'm I still contemplating maybe switching someday. But we'll see. Because right now, the current phone that I have from a couple years ago, there's some stuff from my older phone that was much better. But that's a different subject for another time. But yeah, back to the EA days it had much joy but then after 05 or 06 things are starting to degrade in quality like the ancient sound nothing the graphics is kind of dipped because when you look at thunder 04 and then 06 you yeah. knew the end was near for the older consoles and then when they jumped to the ps3 and xbox 360 they looked shiny but it was downgraded
1: yeah. it's rotten under the core definitely uh in the PS3 era, but uh, 2004, 2005, 2006. I think depending on which one you picked up first is probably the one that you'll claim is the best out of those three. Because uh, personally, to me, Chase for the Cup 2005 was the one that I got used around 2006 or 7ish, and that's the one that, to me personally, because I didn't own 04 or 06, and so that one to me was my favorite of the series. But you know, uh, the vast majority of guys will tell you that uh, Thunder 2004 is the best, and I have recently, you know, picked up all of them since then, and I've got to play O4, and I see what they mean. But you know, it's just that personal connection that you have uh, from your first experiences with it, with the uh, the titles.
0: I picked them up every year. I, the first one I got was Thunder 2 at a Circuit City, which because listen, there's a story, a story I have when O2 at a Kmart, I went through the toy car section and the Jeff Gordon scheme popped up. It was, was like the fall of O2. So yeah, I, That's a nice looking escape paint scheme. And that's kind of how I became a Gordon fan. And then about <laughs> a month and a half later, I was thinking, oh, there's that Jeff Gordon car I saw at a Kmart mm-hmm. out of Circus City. So I decided to pick it up on NAS- NASCAR started in 2002. And that kind of gravitated towards me. And what I liked about O2 was, it's the damage physics, which I'm uh, I don't know why. With the once the after the PS2 era, the damage model has been egregious. They're not the same. Whereas O2, you hit pretty hard. You you'll look, you'll see like what I I like to call it the box, but like DW and those guys to say they look like modifies. It's yeah. easy to make them look like modifies. O3 onwards is real difficult to make them look like modifies because you either break. Or I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but O2 had a connection. Then many years later I picked up a new copy because blue discs are blue discs. They're just not gonna work after a while. I realized, man, there are some flaws in those games. Like you hit the grass, you lose speed big time. Or the handling feels kind of weird and also you have to wait for it to load and hopefully the blue disc work. So O3 was the one my personal favorite is 03 because that's when I started to watch NASCAR with the 2003 season, but the game was from 02. The Thunder plays, the Lightning challenges, the different schemes. I gravitate to that one the most. But between 04, 05, 06 it was definitely 04 because I picked up a copy every year that it came out, roughly about the same time period it, it was released in the fall. So, 04, the thing that I liked about 04 is definitely the rival system. It's just, there's so much about it. Like the music, career mode, it was a complete package. 05 had that same mindset. The only thing that annoyed me in from a, I don't know, from a pure standpoint is there was no Mayfield and no Pocono. So to me, it felt like a tad incomplete, despite all of those amazing features that they've had. And to my yeah. opinion... There was, some politics, there was
1: some politics in 05 that kept it from some of the content.
0: Yeah, which I, which was extremely disappointed. Like, apparently, Mayfield was supposed to be on the cover of 05. It had me yeah. thinking, 2004, at that time period, Mayfield over Harvick. You're obviously going to go with the one that has more of a legion and more con- consistency with wins. So that was Harvick. No offense to Mayfield, but at that point, Mayfield hadn't shined since 2000. And he was every Earnhardt's golden boy, at,
1: every Earnhardt fan's golden
0: boy at the time. Mm-hmm. Because he hit because of the legacy, he took over Earnhardt's yeah, cars. He was
1: basically the the fans' replacement at the time.
0: Yep. And now the fans' replacement is more Chase Elliott than Alex Bowman. I'm not. I'm not. Because you think Bowman would be more popular than Elliott, but it's not been the case at all. Or no. some jumping uh, to Byron because he's driving a 24, but no, they stuck with Chase. Since yeah, she quite, took over, Gordon. quite frankly,
1: quite frankly, that old time fan is more likely to clad, latch on to legacy, uh, just a parent, parental legacy, than to guy taking over the number they're familiar with.
0: Yeah, and of course, because Bill won like most popular driver more than anybody else till Dale Junior came along. Yeah, and, and I imagine had, that's
1: what Chase will do in his career <laughs> is get consecutive most popular driver
0: awards. I don't know about this year though. What everything's going on. I feel like yeah, it's gonna it be a be much, Bubba. yeah. So you're gonna be Bubba or Chase, yeah. but apparently Boyer got the most overall votes too. So I can see that. <laughs> I don't know. It's. I feel like it's gonna be a much tighter most popular vote. I don't think Ellie. I don't think we can write Elliot winning it again this year. We're gonna have to wait because with everything that is happening, I feel like Bubba could be there. And Who knows? Boyer could steal it. Yeah, definitely. With you
1: know the with the social climate and everything, there might be a lot of people who are who would never have voted before that are going to vote for Bubba this year. So that may definitely sway the tide. People mm-hmm. who may not even be NASCAR fans will come and vote for him as most popular driver.
0: Yeah, as long as they catch wind of the what's going on at the end of yeah. the year. So we'll right. see how. We'll see how that climate goes, especially as far as the post-pandemic, which won't be for a good while, it looks like. Especially, there's reports out there that people are not wearing the mask or not practicing social distancing. Of course, you're going to see that out there. Like, Washington is, I feel like, if they're not doing their job, or as Joe Dimachek once said, using their heads, I'm going to be <laughs> stationary here if they do shutdowns. Or lockdown which will not be good but we'll talk more about the pandemic side of things a tad bit later you know talking about racing can be intriguing can be a little bit annoying but it's part of life that's just how the way things go and in formula one it seems like lewis hamilton is getting into the mix of things like he usually does he won the hungarian grand prix over max verstappen My you verstappen almost didn't run because during His warm-up got sideways and hit the barriers. Fortunately, he was able to bring it back in. But the big question was, was the left front suspension, was it damaged? where if they couldn't fix it, he could not run. You cannot run a spare car in circumstances like this. Look what happened to Juan Pablo Montoya. He got disqualified from it in 2004 in Indianapolis. So, due to the Valiant effort of Red Bull racing, they got it fixed miraculously in a short amount of time and Verstappen got to run he won driver of the day the fans voted him for driver of the day but in my opinion it should be team of the day because Red Bull the fact that we're in 2020 you can fix suspensions and whatever damage of concern it might be is a miracle it is impressive in my book so no doubt he takes top honor and right now as far as the World Championship Lewis Hamilton is ahead of Valtteri Bottas Sergio Perez ugh, he sunk it again could have had another better result, albeit he scored points, and Lance Stroke got fourth. At least he didn't get a podium, because boy, that question mark, that is 2021, who's going to stay in 2021 in case Vettel goes to Aston Martin? Right now, they're known as Racing Point, but next year, it going to be known as Aston Martin. Fingers crossed the Sergio Paris is still around in Formula 1. If not, there's always IndyCar, and I know he's been interested in running IndyCar, and we'll welcome him. In the world of the ntt any car series he got the money he could join any team he probably wants who knows maybe andretti autosport could become an eight car team <laughs> it could happen you know there's no limit unlike a nascar so speaking of auto racing the next subject of interest is going to be brandon's passion for sim racing how he got it and also the big question the gig is speed sport so without further ado let's jump back to the interview with brandon crossland <laughs> What led to the inspiration of you following sim racing that ultimately got you a gig at Speedsport?
1: Yeah, I honestly don't know why got why God would be so gracious to uh, put me in this position. Uh, I definitely didn't deserve it at all. But the beginning of my attachment to sim racing was in 2002. Whenever I started at the Christmas of 2002, we got my dad a copy of NASCAR Racing 2002 season. For the PC, and uh, he never played it, so I did, and it was on. I used the keyboard, gas, and pedals. There was no controller or anything, and I also could not figure out how to change my driver, so I was stuck as stuck as Dale Earnhardt Jr. for the longest time until he finally showed me how to go in the session info or whatever and change your driver selection. But just so many great memories from that, and uh, just moving on. You know, I moved into the mod scene of nascar racing 2003 season i never created mods but i spent a lot of time downloading people's uh, car sets and tracks and stuff and then i fa- finally caught wind of iRacing around 2012 13 ish when i was in high school and you know i obviously was like yeah i don't have the hardware for that can't afford that so I just watched from afar and um, watched the world championships take place, you know, the peak, the peak series as it was, and um, just kind of watched it from afar until 2017 in college. And I finally decided, you know what, my laptop may survive if I uh, download this. So I downloaded iRacing Men and worked my way out of rookies and all that stuff. And 2018 or so is when I got my first commentating gig. Uh, with max speed tv on youtube with their live broadcast they used i think they still do they they host the uh nork series guys like bobby Zelensky.
0: yeah i know what you're talking about with those nork guys for sure yeah but uh
1: obviously you know just little things here and there one thing led to another and i uh, just started networking and interacting with people inside the racing community and uh somehow i became friends with Jacob Seelman, and uh, he's just been so gracious to me and nice and uh, has allowed me to help him with his riding work with the Road to Pro series and the Coca-Cola iRacing series and uh, some select things that happened on Sunday and stuff, and uh, it's just been a blessing.
0: If the pandemic hadn't happened, who knows, I, I was talking with Seal mid at Daytona during Xfinity practice while we were shooting photos in turn three day I told them that maybe, hopefully we can work something out so I could be at Aldora. Unfortunately, Aldora is one of the many, many tracks that are cancelled along with Long Beach, Watkins Glen.
1: <sighs> yeah, the list goes on. Yeah,
0: many tracks that. that honestly, it's funny, with the exception of Watkins Glen, I'm not sure I was able to make that possible. All of the tracks that I was supposed to do that I wanted to do this year have been canceled. Whether it's Seattle Supercross, because all of them ended up in Utah at the very end. Skagit, the World Outlaws race. I was really, really thinking about it, thinking, who knows? Maybe I could probably do Skagit. So I could see like Brads, Weed and Kyle Larson and those guys do their thing. But that's not going to happen now. The only thing we got right now secured is the ARCA West race at Evergreen, which is the closest track to me. And I don't even know about Portland for the Grand Prix of IndyCar. So it is a bummer. How do you feel like with this pandemic has impacted the world of sim racing, but also racing media as a whole?
1: Uh, As far as sim racing, I mean, the first thing you got to look at is the currently over 15,000 members that are active at one point uh, on the iRacing service so that definitely has been probably the biggest uh, right out of the gate is uh, just seeing the number increase of active users and new users and, and you know with that comes a lot of growing pains you get a lot of new people rising through the ranks that maybe don't have maybe have the uh new experience but they don't have the old experience per se i don't know how you- how else you could say that but, you know like they 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 uh, grinded their way quickly through the license system, and then now they're still turning people who have been on the service for years. And they, that, that causes conflict. But, you know, that that's just part of a lot of new people joining at once. The other thing that's happened is, especially during the time when we were all quarantined, was drivers in the real world being thrown into the sim world as their temporary job where they're still getting paid and supposed to still show respect for the people who pay them or not taking it seriously at the beginning and that was very clear with the blue emu incidents with Bubba Wallace and then we had the huge bombshell with Kyle Larson and uh, that I think that was just a wake-up call for uh, professionals of the real world of just hey remember this may be a quote-unquote video game to you but you know this is still your job you still have expectations it's still supposed to be treated with respect and there's people who do sim racing for their living that are a lot better than you. So, which brings me to the other point. I think we found out during the pandemic, I think people were realizing through the pandemic that as real as racing is and as laser scan, you know, down to the inch, whatever they want to say at the end of the day, there still is many different skill types and things that go into being good at sim racing. Than Being good at real-world racing, you know, the first thing is obviously the seat in the pants feel You're not going to feel those g-forces in your sim rig no matter how expensive it is and the heat levels and things like that and There's just got to be a little minute nuances of a real-world car that iRacing is never going to get right Maybe 50 years down the road that may change but right now, you know, we're still not perfectly there so you still have to treat sim racing as a different discipline, at least I do at this current point in time. And finally, for how the writing for like reporting landscape has changed, I think a lot of reporters had to, who have been in the physical racing reporting side of things, they had to go through growing pains as well, uh, kind of accepting the fact that, yes, sim racing is a valid form of racing, and it needs to be treated with the same respect that you give the real world guys. And um, I think a lot of people have problems with that uh, early on. And um, I I hope that some of the reporters who have been in it much longer than I have are realizing that uh, this is another discipline of racing, that it's still racing. There's still real-world feelings that are being hurt, you know, when people get turned and stuff. And it just needs to be treated with respect like anything else.
0: Most definitely, not just what happened with NASCAR. You also had IndyCar with Simon Pagino, Lando Norris, and Santiago right. Ferrucci. And also Daniel Abt from Formula E. He got fired for illegally having another driver drive under his name. So stuff like that, no matter how odd it may sound, you could get fired. <laughs>
1: I yeah, know. I mean, it's, there, there's no there's no joke about it. But at the same time, sim racing at, his na- at its nature... When you're in a non-competitive sense, it can be used to be to have the best time ever. It's it's one of the best hobbies that I've found personally. From like you know indoor hobbies, I love sim racing. It's fun. You got to have fun doing it. But also, when you're in a competitive environment and you've got people who are paying you thousands of dollars to go out there and represent their company well, you've got to respect that. You got to own up to that.
0: Absolutely. You can have fun, but it's also part of business. That's one thing. That I'm trying to work on the most. or Actually in the last episode I talked about. It, where my history teacher from high school told me. Just simply have fun. And that's something that I. I don't know. its how I wired to function. Where the fun has to be defined by multiple things. Rather than just a simplicity. But when I did some sim racing stuff. During college. Played some NR 2003, 2002. I just had fun with it. When I was creating those videos. Like those fictional wrecks and. Impersonating yeah, sure. stuff, those were fun. With iRacing, it may take a little bit more while longer to get into it, or even stuff like R Factor. As some mods are broke, it can be because they are. Some of them are broken or just extremely difficult to drive. Whether I feel like a, a steering wheel would make a 1994 Formula One mod driveable. Where if it goes down to certain gear, no matter what is it, if it goes down to first or second, and I always spin it. It always spins, my car, because I can't really use the 94 mod to my liking. This year, what I've learned from it is that they take it seriously, but also some of them just want to have fun and just get through it and provide some comedy. We saw it with Clint Boyer. He pretty much made it into a comedic thing, and that's probably why I feel like Boyer's popularity has risen this year to where he actually got the overall most popular vote to get into the All-Star race.
1: Right. Yeah. And see people like mischief. They like grown men who are goofing off, you know, but still that falls to me, that falls under, he was under, uh, working for Stuart Haas racing. He's working for rush truck centers. He's working for, you know, the list goes on and he's got to show respect for that and under, realize where he's at.
0: And even guys that did stood out like a Timmy Hill, they got spot. They get pretty much got the sponsorship roof claimings because of it, like much longer Instead of just, like, a one-off or a two-off thing, it's become long-term. But there's also, like, Landon Castle, who benefited from it. You got the Blue Emu. He's pretty much the Blue Emu guy in the sim racing world, but it hasn't adapted to a, the, the real thing, the National Touring Series, where I was thinking, okay, the quarantine pause is over, the hiatus. We're going to see Lana Castle in the Xfinity again, right? Blue Emu's going to support him more. No. Morgan Shepard's no, team... They're
1: they're just supporting landing castle in the sense that he's going to have an equal car as everybody else. The real money comes in when you're in the real world and you have to put in the money to make your car physically better than the rest of the competition. And that's, that's the money that the landing castles and the Timmy Hills of the series, the national touring series simply don't have.
0: Yeah. And of course now Morgan Shepard's team, in addition with the pandemic, is pretty much gone, unfortunately, which is just a shame Is Morgan has tried very hard to keep the thing going with with volunteers and everybody. Even with Lou Emu backing Landon, we haven't even seen that. Maybe someday, who knows? But it's good to see Landon have that, but he's pretty much at the same time become now more associated with iRacing, being the host of these amazing events, whether it's the Firecracker 400, the Monza Madness, than just being the NASCAR driver he once was.
1: Yeah, and I hope he's able to continue that, and I, I. I do pray that he will be a good, positive influence for the community, and not a negative one. Because you know, when man is given that opportunity to have so many eyes fixed upon him and popularity like that, they got two roads they can go down. They can use that as a pot for a positives, so or they can become a monster and bring the uh, companies associated with them down with them. So I, I hope he, him, and others like him are able to uh, only be positive.
0: Yeah, let's, let's hope so. And that's just with Landon or anybody like Parker Clickerman. Sure, Clickerman still has some truck races with the Henderson team. But right now, other than that, that's all he's got as well. Just with his Sports team and also some of the other events that he's been involved. But there's been some positive stuff looking back. At the time as I was unfolding, it would, everything that's, that went down, I, I became numb to it. So once the hiatus was done and over with, I was like... Alright, I could focus on the stuff that hand going forward. But I catch on some stuff then and there, like the Coca Cola racing series, I catch it on when there's time where I see it. it's like, okay, I'll tune in to where I remember some of those guys' names like a, a Keegan Leahy or Brandon Novak and those guys and that scene. So it's nice to see. When I was watching the North Wilkesboro race, I found an interesting nugget that apparently is like on every race circuit where you have Dale Junior at like at random spots, like yes. North North dale jr.,
1: it's i think it's dale jr and uh D- dave kamer or one of those steve myers one of those guys at i racing uh every single track without fail it's him and dale jr as one of the fan sprites
0: somewhere in yeah the infield. like if norfolk's world was the cassettes i just found it i just found it amusing because it's like that's a nice little easter egg kind of a fun yeah. one like i mentioned those who like myself who don't have eye racing, I would not be able to notice stuff like that. So when they showed them the light brackets, like, oh. "Huh!" And I obviously asked another entity that I'm involved with the podium finish because one of the Coca-Cola racing drivers is part of that staff. So I shared it with the group. It's like, "Oh, this is a common thing. This is a thing for every venue." Okay, good to know. <laughs> all right anyways indycar went to iowa speedway to wrap up the five race 15 day grind that was the toughest month of the year and yes july am i Iowa was the toughest month because you have the hot weather you have to be quick you have to be on top of things and in the end friday's race was won by simon Passional. worst the first he didn't get to qualify because of a fuel pressure issue so he had to start at the rear of the field 23rd in both races on Friday, he got the job done. A horrific incident involving Renas VK and Colton Hurta saw the ladder up in the air. Fortunately, both drivers were okay and there were no red flags. But Hurta went from second in the championship trail to now being in the mix of out of it. So it was a rough weekend for Colton Hurta's man of catching Scott Dixon. Dixon did not win any of those two Iowa races. He struggled, but got better at the end. He still has the championship lead over Pagano. And Saturday's winner, one from the pole, a first in any car history at Iowa, Joseph Newgarden dominated the competition. He just flat out dominated. So we'll see, come August at Mid-Ohio, the Indianapolis 500 and. Gateway, how the championship trail will mix up for now it is a long awaited break for those guys we jump back to the interview with Brandon Crosson, where we talk about Nashville and the return of major racing down there for next year and also his time as an intern at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway what it means to be a part of the 500 <laughs> talked about Nashville a little bit. You being from that realm, how big it is as far as racing is concerned in Nashville? Because, of course, the big talk is the fairgrounds. They want to have the fairgrounds. But then you have the MLS soccer team they want to bring up there. They're trying to haul everything. And now, next year, we're going to have the concrete Nashville. So I'd like to say the Super Speedway back on the NASCAR calendar. So, what,
1: what exactly do you want me to talk about it?
0: Well, first, the just the racing landscape in Nashville. Especially with the banquet last year and stuff at Broadway that you were able to go
1: well as far as the banquet and the awards and the burnout stuff at Broadway all all the fans that I saw there and the amount of fans I saw you definitely could feel the energy of Music City wanting NASCAR being around I've been in Middle Tennessee my entire life and so my first and my also my first ever NASCAR experience as a fan was around 2007 at Nashville Super Speedway in Lebanon I think it was the Bush Series uh, at the time. Yeah, yeah. But the, yeah it was like a either the Bush Series, and then like another time I went and saw like an ARCA Truck Series combo. You got it with one, the same ticket. It was my, my first NASCAR experience was right in Nashville Super Speedway. And uh, all the fans there, you know, really passionate. Uh, this is a really passionate area for racing in general. Short track racing, dirt track racing. But you wouldn't know it because we only have two currently – uh, two or three active asphalt tracks in Middle Tennessee, but still, I, I think this area is ripe for that kind of activity. And it was it was a shame that Dover Motorsports, the people who own Dover and National Super Speedway, neglected their you know their counterpart that's so many miles away from them and decided to leave it in 2011 or 12, whenever it was. I remember seeing that news story and just being so heartbroken because I thought, well there goes my chance. I'll never get to see anything at national super speedway ever again. And all the years went by. And I just I remember every time I drive by it on, uh, the interstate 840 around here that goes past the track, I would try to look as best I could to see if I can see the lights still or something. Cause as far as I knew, I thought it was just rotting away. But then I saw that the, they got cars all in the infield and around it. It was actually sold to a uh, car manufacturing, um, Danny B. Talks did a really good video about it. It was the rise and fall of Nashville Super Speedway. He did a video about it before we got the news about the Cup date. I think it was Nissan
0: that helped
1: us. Yeah, Nissan is a big plant uh, in Smyrna Tennessee, not too far from Lebanon. But what's happening next year is what they wanted all along. From that first season in 2001, the idea was that eventually that Nashville Super Speedway was going to get a Cup Series date. And, uh, It came down to like 2009 or 2010 or so when uh, the uh, decision was made to go to Kentucky. They asked both tracks, okay, we want a new Cup Series date. Which one of you is going to add more seats? And Kentucky was the one that was like, I will. For some reason, uh, Dover did not want to put more permanent seating to maintain in Nashville. That was basically the beginning of the end for the past 10 years. And now finally we get the news we were waiting for. Although all the signs were pointing that we were going to get the Cup Series date at the fairgrounds, that just is not happening yet. But I think this is definitely the best we can do right now, is to go to Lebanon.
0: Fortunately, their track has been stable. Unfortunately, tracks like Rockingham, definitely North Wilkesboro, and Nazareth, more other tracks have went away from from the National Touring Series. a couple of them in Cup. Where they're not doing well Nashville has been pretty stabilized. And I think with the current landscape of racing right now. Where many tracks are having a real hard time filling out seats. They had to remove certain sections like Atlanta and Homestead. Then now it's pretty feasible to have a strong crowd in Nashville. And I'm thinking, and I think I said this right away when they announced it. And they confirmed it that if they really somehow want to have the fairground someday. They gotta fill out the super speedway big time. The first couple years, they gotta fill it out because I feel like if they don't, then any shot of the fairgrounds, those who want the fairgrounds, are just not gonna happen. Have you been to the fairgrounds in the past?
1: Yes. uh, Past this past November, I uh, got the chance to uh, follow Matt Weaver around for uh, Friday and Saturday for the uh, All American Four Hundred. It's the uh, super late model event they have there every November, and um, so. That, that was actually my first experience, <laughs> even though I'm a national native, that, that was my first ever time to be at the National Fairgrounds Speedway for a race was uh, last November. And, yeah, and like I, it's a very, very old facility. It's clear. It's evident. You get the same feelings in some parts of the track, like you're at Indianapolis in the old days. Like, it, it, You can feel the history in the place. But, you know, and that which means what I'm saying there is there's plenty, there's millions of dollars of re- renovations to be done if the Cup Series is going to be there. But it's a very great facility for NASCAR to consider. And uh, I'm glad that SMI has had their eye on it for so long. It's just the local government that's been stopping them and uh, just people owning the track and all these other factors that go into it. But uh, one thing that I noticed actually being there last November was probably parking. Uh, the the parking side of things, it's such a hilly area around the track itself. And I, I'm concerned about uh, how well they're going to have parking done for a Cup Series crowd.
0: Yeah, we don't want another Kentucky episode to see Yeah, these. that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> but uh, so, yes,
1: yeah, so we're going back to Nashville Super Speedway, though. They're going to have to fill that place up. And I think they can because. The stands aren't that large to begin with. It probably can hold about 55,000 people max. If they need to add another, one of those grandstands they used to have in the early 2000s, they definitely can do that. And maybe some infield stands as well. But yeah, yeah I, I plan for that to be definitely one of my, like, if one of my first events for speed sport in, in person is going to be Bristol and then Nashville, I, I hope that's th- that that will be the order of things. Because... Yeah. Whether, whether I'm working for Speedsport in Nashville or not, you you better bet I will be there.
0: Oh, for sure. Like if like any North, what major Northwest race down there? I said to myself when I was 20, back in 2018, when I started writing for Motorsports Three P, and I said, Portland, 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 yeah. because that's the closest I track for me. I, how could I not go to Portland? It's yeah. it's a few hours. It's literally like. You pass the Washington border and then you're there. You're the track is about another two minutes. So of course albeit yeah. my first as a media member at Portland, my first IndyCar race was a disaster. The following year went a lot better, but at the very least I was there at Portland, got to see the return of IndyCar action. Hopefully, because right now it's either gonna be, I hope, Evergreen or the 500. I'm still clinging on that 500, but we'll see because we're down to a three person staff, not counting him. It's just myself and David Morgan, who's from, that's done races in the past at Bristol and Texas around that area. So I'd imagine he'd be interested to do national. And if he is, I'll probably tag along because it will be a neat race to go. First cup race back in Nashville since the eighties, the first time at the super speedway and be like, it's a can't miss event. Honestly.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, um, I I really don't know what my schedule looks like next year for speed sport, but I'm definitely looking forward to the physical aspect of being there. I think that's something we're all missing.
0: Hopefully by that point, we have something with the vaccine or or whatever to cure it, so we don't have to be cleaned on one lane the entire time of the press box. Some, I guess they don't mind, but for me being a versatile, multitasking media guy, I function and thrive more doing photos and then writing after. So I can get multiple aspects, multiple perspectives. And also keep myself active to see eventually which one I feel like I thrive more. Or I can benefit from the longest. So we'll see how Indianapolis fans out. We'll see how next year goes. Because I don't know how 2021 is going to look like for me either. With Motorsports Tribune or whoever else I end up doing. Now that I brought up Indianapolis. So last year you were an intern at the Speedway, correct? Yes, sir. Yellow shirt. Talk uh, about but that the ex- last year oh. the
1: last year without Pinski operation. I can say that now.
0: Yeah. Talk about that experience that you had at Indianapolis. What led to you to pursue that opportunity to be part of the Speedway, especially in, in the Holman era? Because that's what let's describe it as the Holman era.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know it was going to be the final year of the Holman era when I even uh, applied, but um, as somebody leaving college, I was just searching the internet for motorsports jobs, motorsports jobs, motorsports jobs, and uh, this was a college internship opportunity, and I just happened to fit the fit the window as, like, I'm still counting as a college student at this moment in time, so, uh, like, last winter of 2019, and so, yeah, I just hopped onto that. I mean, like, what what better deal could you get? I had never been to Indianapolis Motor Speedway, never seen the Indy Five Hundred in person. So to me, this was like the way to do that for the first time, and also say you're working for Indianapolis for once. You know, even if you know it's not a permanent spot, and it wasn't even in uh, the communications field. It was more hospitality oriented and. Showing people around and being security at the gates and stuff, but man, it was a blast. It was just if you're like Indianapolis Motor Speedway became my favorite place to be for that entire month because that was basically where you lived. You know, at the night at nighttime you go home, but I mean when you come back, it's just entire day there to soak it all in. Just I try to soak in every practice day I could on the road course and the oval and the qualifying days and. Even the concert days, just still be being able to be at the grounds, just what 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 a privilege that was. Some parts of the job you didn't really appreciate, but you know it's just part of it. You know some people aren't as kind at the turn two gate, uh, turn one, turn two gates, and uh, uh, people driving up in their cars. And uh, there, there's just a lot of candid stories that I can remember. Like we had Tony Canon come in on the south gate, and he was just like zooming in because he was late, and he was like. Jumping over the curve and everything, in the streetcar, and then there were some nicer moments where um, I saw uh, Simon Paginot walking his dog Norman outside the garage gates, and you just a quick, quick little hello, hello. You never think that you'll ever get to meet people like that that you've seen for years now, and it's just, it's it's humbling when that becomes a reality when you're actually just able to talk to Marco Andretti or just talk to Mario or. Or just Colton Herta, or just people walking by, and um, just to be in within walking distance of people like that, you know, I'm not trying to elevate them to god status, you know, but you know, they're, they're people like you and me, but it's just people that you have respect for in the motorsports industry.
0: That was definitely that's the kind of stuff you definitely want to relish and praise about because this is the stuff that you'll never forget. And I kind of envy you—you got to see Norman because I haven't seen Norman yet. <laughs> the, the times I did the last three Indy car races last year, I haven't seen Norman. I don't know—he's probably like my favorite dog. I I could consider like iconic, kind of nice gesture that they have Norman next with Simon at one of the baby Borgs. Yes, because Man, they
1: they got Norman on the uh, on the bust. Or got, mm-hmm. he got his own bus. On the mini board,
0: yes. Yeah, that's definitely a wholesome moment. Now, just describe how it is to be around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway race day, Indianapolis 500, and the hours before the race commenced.
1: I mean, honestly, it's everything that people would describe to you it how it feels to be there on race day and the hours leading up to it. It's everything that you've ever heard about it. You know, and all all the broadcast intros, all the excitement that ABC has shown us, and now NBC, and hearing Back Home Again in Indiana, it was just chills down your spine, just how you think it's going to be, you know. I managed to take time. I was a gate ticket taker on race day, and our shift started at 2 in the morning. It was on the outside of Turn 4, and so I made a point to hop away for a little bit, get a little break, whenever the National Anthem and Back Home Again in Indiana was playing, and I... I just walked up there and pretended to get a little seat next to people. <laughs> and they I tried to hide my yellow shirt a little bit so I wouldn't get in trouble. But, man, you, you can't miss something like that. It's just, it just amazing to be there. It's just surreal. And afterwards, when our shift was over, I um, managed to make it up in the what I call the rich people seats. <laughs> I just changed my shirt over to... Looked like a normal person and was like a, on top of pit road area with seats facing the other way. And uh, I'm pretty sure I saw Connor Daly's mom <laughs> pretty close to me because she was like biting your nails and looking, like, watching him, like, you know, how, how a mom watches her son doing something dangerous. I could tell that that was like where the sponsor people were sitting and stuff.
0: When I was going to do Laguna, I wanted to be there for the test sessions. Like, for me, I don't want to miss any session at all. k and West Race, which is now ARCA, I made sure to myself, like, I'm going to be there at the test run. Let's see if they let me do the test run, do photos and all that. Fortunately, I was, so it's like, this kind of stuff is fun to just take the time and reflect. And what I loved about Laguna was just, it has every combination that I like. A racetrack, some hills to climb on it's just a scenic view. It's just, it's like, it's basically a state park. And I don't get many opportunities to go see some state parks because of many stuff going on. And just the family interest of doing that kind of stuff. Because they're kind of close-minded when they want to explore mountains and hills. For me, as a photography kind of guy, I'll take any. But it takes a lot of convincing for them. Maybe someday I'd really need to do that again. Laguna was one of those times. Are you into that kind of stuff? Like, just climbing and just exploring those areas?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, I think my fiance has put me in that world a lot more as well because she's, uh, she's into ornithology, which is basically the study of birds, and she's she does photography as well. And so put those two together. We're out in the woods a lot, you know, hiking at state parks and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it's been really nice to go hiking and uh, see those kind of places. And so Laguna Seca definitely is on my bucket list not only as a track but also – yeah like the just the west like i honestly i have not been west of the mississippi river besides being in des moines iowa and that was just because i was flown there so i didn't i didn't actually travel west of mississippi river so that may be hard to believe but that that is the truth at the moment
0: yeah that was me with the east. literally the only time i've ever been literal on the east side was at daytona the last two years (laughs) And next month is Indianapolis. I hope somehow, some way, I get to be a part of it. Then again, there is October for the Harvest Grand Prix. So, technically speaking, for that big goal, I still have either August or October. I'd like to be part of the 500, though, so we'll see. Let's talk about the NASCAR weekend at Texas. In the truck series, Kyle Busch won. Xfinity, it was Kyle Busch before he got disqualified, so the win went to Austin Centric. Barking his third straight win. As far as the cup race strategy, paid off big time and we learned no matter if you're on old tires or fresh tires, clean air will always win and that was the case for Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick. The RCR duo got the job done for Austin Dillon. is the first thing he's won since the infamous 2018 Daytona 500. He's improved. The whole RCR camp has improved. Ryan Blaney won the first 2 seconds, he was going to probably win it by fuel strategy and then costly cautious like Quinn Halve pulling a massive derp on pit road to cause a wreck that hurt his race and hurt Christopher Bell and Matt DiBenedetto from a great run. And in my opinion Half needs to get better otherwise he has no purpose of being a cup because he's just been aggressively bad compared to landing castle when he drove the star car comp a year ago but we'll discuss about the debate of a graduate level system next week so to wrap up the interview with brandon cross we talk about music our rather distaste for modern day country music and we talk about baseball and also how the pandemic been a blessing for him as far as his career and personal life. So I'll do the last part of my interview with Brandon Crossland. <laughs> We're near to the end of this episode. How would you describe your music taste overall? Oh, man. So
1: I was waiting for this, and I thought, thought about it carefully, and I can sum it up as this. Probably before, like, when I was still in the womb, I was told that I was listening to the Beatles. I was played to, the Beatles were played to me so for my entire life my music taste has been heavily influenced by the Beatles and their entire career and every everybody they ever influenced so really that that line of uh, classic rock And high school I started getting influenced by my friends who were into progressive rock so I started listening to people like Rush and Yes and people like that and in my, I well, backing up to my that was, that was on my dad's side. And, and In the preschool days, my mom would drive me to preschool, would play Christian music and uh, things like that. So I'd hear Third Day and Casting Crowns and all this stuff. So that that was in the back of my mind. And, uh, you know, it's kind of come here and there in my adult life, as I've come to understand what some of those songs meant when I didn't really understand as a four-year-old. But looking back after high school, I... I had some friends that were into hip-hop and current Top 40 stuff, and so I explored that, and my grandparents, they, lo- they like country music, old country music, new country music, not as much new country music. So when I tell people what my taste of music is, it really is nearly all around the spectrum, in my opinion. It would be hard to find a type of music that I would absolutely never touch. But although I am very picky about country music, I think... Anything that is 2006 or seven-ish onward into the present day, I don't I don't mess with it unless it's Chris Stapleton or somebody who is a little more reserved.
0: Yep, that's me with country music as well. There's a certain time period where I'm like, okay, I have to be in a literal boot, or you have to put me in a car, in a fort. <laughs> and and in the state of Arizona, and I have to go listen to some Casey Musgraves and Keith Urban, and I was like, okay, I'll listen to it. Yeah. If, like,
1: if it's part of the road trip, yeah,
0: sure. Fine, whatever. Yeah,
1: I, like they play it at the ballpark that I work at. I do audio and video for the Nashville Sounds. That's my, that was my uh, almost regular day job last season. Of course, we don't have a minor league baseball season this year, but you know, in the in the lobbies there, they play all the sam hunts and the luke bryans and the jason aldeans and stuff so you know i hear whiskey glasses all day long and just have to put up with it because i can't change it
0: yeah that's how i have with hockey games with the yeah silver <laughs> tips it's like sometimes yeah. it's like Ugh. yeah <laughs> when,
1: you're, when you're a national predators fan you, you that's also something you just got to deal with is that new age country unfortunately
0: yeah I have to put up with, I have to put up with that stuff. And even for me, EDM, pop, electronics, some of them are, I can live with some. It's like, if I was more younger, like a college or high school student, I'm like, well, yeah, why not? I'll dig it. But for me, I have to literally be in the mood to listen to it. Speaking of baseball, just describe the state of baseball and you played it in high school by chance? Actually, no.
1: Um, I played like youth league baseball, like, like elementary school and like I did like one year of softball in middle school and then that was it I I didn't do much playing of it and I didn't actually like watching it it just became something towards the end of college that I found could be a career opportunity with my degree and so I just took that because being there doing audio and video uh for for games
0: same thing for me with hockey that ultimately that was one of my part-time jobs just to do camera work of hockey I thrive more. when it comes to camera work. So it's like, okay, that's something to look forward to because spotlights is okay, but it can be too predictable for me. So when I'm in the camera at the very least, I actually doing what I want to do most, and that is to do video work. And of course, video work is hard to come by. Fortunately, Definitely. you don't have to worry about the squad. How is your squad, anyways? Judging by last year, before I answer my baseball team real quick.
1: Like my, like the National Sounds? Yeah. They, I
0: mean, there's a losing record.
1: I, I don't understand how the sounds are in the Pacific Coast League. Did you know that they, were, they were in the Pacific Coast League, first of all? No. They're, 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 they're a A team, and we play all of the teams out from the West, like the Reno Aces and the Las Vegas Aviators now. But, like, it, it would make sense. I, I, they've apparently been this way since the beginning. Like, in the AAA minor league system, there's the International League and the Pacific Coast League. And I don't understand why the sounds out of Nashville are in the Pacific Coast League. We're nowhere near the Pacific Coast. Because if we were in in the International League, we'd be playing uh, the Indianapolis Indians and uh, Pawtucket Red Sox and people like that.
0: Let me see what's it affiliate. Oh, the Texas Rangers. And then I yeah yeah we're we're currently with the Rangers. Did I see? Um, it used to be with the Athletics.
1: Yeah, uh, I wasn't. I never went to a game. I maybe went to one game when they were associated with the A's. And before that, there was a long stretch with the Brewers. That's what I remember the most as a kid. And then my first ever Nashville Sounds game I went to, they were with the Pirates.
0: Yeah, I was just looking at it. I was like, I wonder how you guys ended up with the Pacific. Maybe now it makes sense. But back then, I'm thinking, you have a point. It
1: doesn't make much logic. Like, that's a lot of traveling for all these teams we play. Like Fresno and what have you.
0: Yeah, like the Salt Lake City. Yeah, like the Atlanta Falcons, they were part of the NFC West with the 49ers and the Saints and those folks. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're anything but I, – I forget, there was a technical term there is was the reason why Atlanta New Orleans ended up with the 49ers back in the day, the Montana, Bill Walsh years. But... Yeah, like if anything,
1: they should be with the AFC South and the Titans. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're basically next-door neighbors.
0: Yeah, AFC or NFC South. At least they're now in a proper area instead of the West because that, to me, made no sense. I still have to worry about those Mariners because the Mariners are the biggest laughing stock big time. Not only just because they haven't made the World Series, they're the only team to never make the World Series. It's just the fact, this abbreviated season, i think do I feel like you're going to have a shot of 60 games? Probably not, but we'll see.
1: Well, if it makes you feel better, when I started getting a kind of an interest into baseball when I, after I started working with it. You know, it, it obviously piques your interest and makes you, like, looking at teams again. Like, I was always brought up to be an Bra- Atlanta Braves fan because that's the only major league team around us. But the past few years, I've looked at other teams that I like, and, you know, obviously the Texas Rangers comes up because that's their affiliate. But other teams, I've tried to pick at least one team per section or, like, NL West, NL East, or whatever whatever divisions they have. You know, per one team per division that I've tried to say that that's my team in that division. If, ever, if I ever come across a game on the radio and I want to pick a team, and the Mariners are my team in that area because I, I do love an underdog.
0: Yeah, they're pretty much an underdog that just needs to polish their stuff because I grew up in the Bay Area. So, of course, naturally, Giants, Dodgers, Athletics, I'm more lean towards the Giants, but since I moved to Washington, Back in 03, I kind of gravitated to the Mariners and just recently, the past couple years, I've been frustrated with them because then I realized there's something at stake. And I personally put the blame on the Buffalo Bills because Buffalo Bills making the playoffs a couple years ago, they gave the longest playoff drought of all of major sports to the Mariners and behind the Mariners are the Cleveland Browns. So naturally, I want them to make the playoffs so we give at least one more insult to injury to the Browns. The poor Browns have been through enough already. So I can say, okay, that was worth it. Because if the Browns somehow make it, but the Mariners don't, Miami Marlins? Do well, I want to be happy about giving that to the Marlins who have World Series, two of them. Yeah. No. It doesn't fit the plot. It doesn't fit, doesn't fit the plot doesn't make – there's no comedic value. I don't have any issues with the Browns, but with their history and recent memory, it's natural to hand it over. But the Mariners got to do their work first.
1: Well, if there's one thing going for the Mariners, I, I, I enjoy listening to their games on radio. I think they have a really nice uh, broadcast team there.
0: Mm-hmm. And then for, the,
1: for their television broadcast as well.
0: Yeah, they've had that way back in the day with Dave Niehaus. When you go to Safeco Field, yes, I'm still calling it Safeco Field. I'm still not used to it calling it T-Mobile Park. You'll see a nice enshrinement of Niehaus if you ever go to the West and catch a Mariners game. I highly suggest to go down there because we pretty much had like a legacy. He has so many incredible phrases that it makes you wonder, how did he come up with this stuff? cuz i always felt that way when i listened to some of his commentary over the years especially the 90s mariners when they were probably the team that should have won a world series yeah, co-
1: i think they should go back to that trident logo they used to have
0: in the 90s oh the the retro one from when oh, they definitely. started no yeah. i welcome him i don't any incarnation logo that they've had i never i don't mind one bit cuz at the very least i could say okay whereas the falcons they have that 2d logo i don't know it looks weird yeah, no it's just a, it's a
1: classic thing to look back on, but, yeah, it's not really relevant for right now.
0: No. So they had to spice it up. NBA, on the other hand, they have just, like, they tried new logos for, like, 10 years, and they go back to the old, ones. like... Yeah,
1: NBA goes through so many logo changes.
0: Yeah. It's like the... can, can
1: we agree that we're both logo guys? We, we take notice in the logos and how companies change.
0: Yeah, No, definitely. Like, some of yeah. them are upgrades. Some of them's like, why change it? Yeah.
1: It's not broken. What are you doing? If, you're, if your fan base doesn't like it, why are you doing it? it? Like, isn't that your main goal, is to attract new fans to your franchise?
0: Yeah, like, the Rams are not doing a good job with it. Who asked them to rebrand? Like, yeah. I, I would rather their main logo be the Ram
1: itself that they've got and not the LA thing they're working on.
0: The Internet Explorer was just recently. Yeah.
1: It looks like an XFL team came into the NFL.
0: Well, at least they'll do better than my Seattle Dragons. This oh, is man. the thing about Seattle. When they had the XFL team, it, it had a pretty good following. It was a pretty decent crowd. But the one and only game I ever went, I decided, okay, I'll go to spend the whole entire day in Seattle before I go to the CZ War concert. And I said, you know, I'll go catch the Dragons game. The fans started to boo our team in the fourth quarter. They Their own against team. Yeah. <laughs> I think most yeah. of them were just there just to get intoxicated. Like, a couple sorority girls just sat next to me. It was like, yep. Yeah, unfortunately, could...
1: that's the nature of live events. Yeah. Live sport events.
0: I couldn't get into that team either because it's like, why is the same feeling so dragging? It's like, the pace, the mellow wasn't there. It was like, well, at least I got some merch to remember because the XFL is now gone again.
1: I had such high hopes for it. I was really... Trying to make a St. Louis Battlehawks game because I I kind of took them as my close enough team. Like there wasn't a team for Nashville, but it's close enough. I yeah. tried to affiliate with them for that short time we had.
0: Yeah, this is one of the many things the pandemic took away. Not sure if the team was going to be any better. I think we were. We'll go down in history. It's probably the worst XFL team of the second incarnation.
1: You, you being from Seattle, real really quick. What's uh, what's your take on the Supersonics? We need our team back. You need the team back? Okay.
0: We're a basketball town.
1: Really? I'm not a huge NBA fan, nor do I know much about the Seattle culture, but I wondered if that was like something people really missed there.
0: They do miss it. No matter what Barstool says, we're, Seah- we're Seahawks. where the Seahawks is the team. Sounders are a number two. Supersonics are either a two or three, but I'm going to give the edge to the Sounders because we got a pretty good football club or soccer yeah. team. Yeah, soccer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when you grow up with the family with soccer, Liga MX, which has like 50 different leagues now, down there is all ruined. That I don't recognize it as much anymore. Whereas here, I've always had that culture. So it's probably because they've been successful since they've existed in the NMLS. Whereas basketball, we had a skid, they went to Oklahoma. For me personally, Oklahoma don't claim our 79 championship, they don't claim it. We We own it. We relocated. I don't view them having an NBA championship because that was ours. But when that yeah, time they, comes, they we should get still them have
1: ahead. a Seattle Supersonics pennant up in their stadium for you guys.
0: I'm not sure if they hit because I went to a Storm game. I think all I saw in the Storm game is probably the WNBA championships. I didn't recognize a Supersonics. But, I haven't paid much attention to it. So, we'll see when they renovate the arena so they can have the NHL hockey team down there. And, hopefully, that hockey team don't choke like the San Jose Sharks do at the postseason. One can hope. But, yeah, it's a basketball town. To answer back to your question, it's definitely a basketball town. They miss it. We want the team back. It's pretty simple. To close this thing out. If there's one thing in your professional career that you want to thrive on the most, where do you feel like you can make room for improvement? Because all of us can make some improvements.
1: For my professional career, the biggest thing that I've been trying
0: to improve on,
1: especially over the last couple of months, has been where my priorities lie. I don't know if it's been clear or not, but like a lot of the things I was doing on a regular basis with YouTube and my podcast, Top Split, and all these things I was working on a consistent basis, they kind of stopped after a while because I really had to stop everything I was doing to just reset everything in life and realize what really matters. At the end of the day, I just I had to just put everything in the right spot. And Jesus Christ really does fill the number one spot where it, where he always should have been in my life. And then family and then my fiance and then you know you know all those things flow down from there and then somewhere along the way is my career and i think when 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 we keep things in that perspective then the hardships are harder to come by
0: professional wise to just like i said earlier it's just to enjoy the moment so i felt like i've taken it for granted a little bit even when i'm at home just trying to find things to look forward to as long as i got something to write about and work and at the end of the day i'm done right to say okay this is as much as i'm able to do what i got i'm okay with it because especially this season i was i was planning to go all in with indycar and nascar more races trying to establish well. myself more but yeah. with Mem- pandemic,
1: I. Uh, I'm I'm thankful for the, I'm actually thankful for COVID, I think, because I I know God saw everything that was going to happen in my life, and I was ready to go hard into my career. I was ready to go to all these different events and gain exposure for me, me, myself, and everything, and then God put the brakes on for me and just really showed me that that's not what it's all about, kid. You got to slow down. You got to reset your priorities. You got to remember what's most important. And uh, I'm so thankful that that has happened because now I can do these things with NASCAR and motorsports and stuff, but not with – that's not where my hope and where my trust lies anymore. I'm sorry if that's too deep, but
0: (laughs) – No, no. uh, It's open. It's open forum. No worries. You don't have to worry about that. I appreciate it. Yeah, but like that's – I'm able to
1: enjoy my jobs more now after accepting Jesus Christ because that's where – your hope and trust is, and after that, everything else is a joy because even when you have the, those hard times and you are going to have those hard times in your career, you're going to get pushed back. You're not going to get that raise. You may get fired. You may have another COVID, but like that's not that's not going to defeat you because God will always provide for you, and that, I think that's just the most important thing anybody could ever hear.
0: I'm hoping to get out of it. I think slowly but surely I'm realizing that just take the time to better plan things and just keep on thriving. I'm glad you've had that moment where you've got to think big picture. Because at the end of the day, the big picture revolves on other stuff that may come unexpected or that's just far more important. And no doubt about it. And I have, totally have no issue with it because the purpose of this show is to discuss the stuff we know, but also just... Provide an outlet to where people could talk about what they've learned and er- and everything else. Because the last couple of episodes, I kind of reflected some of my personal stuff. And now, with any guests I like to dive into is just discuss stuff where they're more passionate about and also reflect. Because at the end of the day, reflection is healthy as long as you have an idea and understanding that you're willing to accept and move on or be open to explore. Because exploring never hurts at all. Yeah, definitely. So this is going to do it for this episode. So where can we find you on social media?
1: All right. Social media, it's uh, at B Crossland Racing. Or no, hold on. Twitter is at Crossland Racing, and Instagram is at B Crossland Racing. You can also find uh, Brandon Cross. You can search Brandon Crossland on Facebook. Uh, Not my personal one, but but if you want to be friends with me, that's fine. But also there's, uh, you know, the actual – facebook page for that and also on youtube brandon crossland and uh, just look for the bc logo with the checkered flag and uh that's what you're looking
0: for if there's a couple of words to describe this episode and this program that we've had what would it be uh
1: prioritization i don't know
0: not bad not bad prior yeah priorities because of course in this profession we all have priorities so it's all good. I've had different answers. Some of them are clever. Some of them are simple. And some just take a while. Like Nixon took a while to say his. So you're all good. Any closing thoughts before we wrap it up now?
1: Uh, just again, I want to thank you for having me on your show. And um, hope to stay in touch. And hopefully see you at the track soon.
0: Yeah, I really hope hope so as well. And with that said, it's time to shut the lens. Yeah, as I mentioned multiple, multiple times in this series with my guests, it's an open forum. So I'm glad that Brandon talked about how he saw the COVID thing as a plus. I don't know when my time will come along. But I mentioned it multiple times that's just hopefully when I come back to doing what I love, physically being there in person no less, then I will look at it and embrace what I got. It's going to be tough for August. Unfortunately, at the end of the month, I'm going to have some enjoyment, but more importantly, use my head while having that joy. Behind the Exploratory Lenses on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter at LD Files, Instagram L-U-I-S-D as in David, torres 9 and as far as where you can listen to this outlet, you can find it on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, Google, and iHeartRadio, and also on my website LuisDTorres.com, better known as Luis Torres Multimedia, where you'll find my latest works, interviews and blogs i may have a blog coming up very soon that is a little bit more uplifting so until we meet again i hope you guys have a safe and enjoyable weekend more importantly stay healthy use your head and just think a little bit what makes your profession enjoyable and what you're gonna do to make it even better and trying times in the meantime, catch you guys later
1: It's an honor to be on the show again, man. I just, I just really appreciate it. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the phone. i me turn that off. Sorry, you probably don't. You probably don't want that in the edit.
0: No, well, no worries about that. But yeah.